Hello, and welcome to The Buzz, Capture Higher Ed's podcast on all things higher ed. Colleges and universities across the country spent 2020 reacting to ever-changing conditions. The response was a period of innovation, focused on fulfilling the mission of the institution, albeit online and remote. In a year when even the best laid plans were derailed, we turn forward. 2021 brings with it the promise of restoration, returning to our strategic planning, bringing with us some new tricks, and focusing efforts on even greater innovation as we plan for this, the next normal. I'm Jack Klett, Director of Graduate and Online Initiatives for Capture Higher Ed, filling in for Amanda Scott, who usually has our hosting duties. As usual, I am joined by my Buzz Crew colleagues, Kevin Bauman, Director of Philanthropic Initiatives, and Jamie Gleason, Director of Undergraduate Initiatives. For this special episode of The Buzz, we are joined by accomplished professionals within enrollment management and advancement. Tim Whittem is Assistant Vice President of University College of Southern New Hampshire University. Julie Zaliski serves as Dean of Enrollment at Damon College. And Chandler Vandenberg is Director of Development for Major Gifts at the University of Texas at Austin. Tim, Julie, Chandler, welcome to The Buzz. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having us. Great, great, great to, to have here. you guys here. And let me Jack, get I think you got all those names right. You certainly got my name right, but I'm pretty impressed that you got all those names right. And what a wonderful introduction that was. Un unbelievable. What a historic moment, too, having the first video buzz. This is very exciting. And I actually am now realizing I need a haircut. <laughs> yeah, we all realized that a while ago, Jamie, but that's okay. <laughs> it's in keeping with your farmer image. Um, this is an exciting episode. I'm sorry that Amanda can't be with us. I know she wishes that she could be, but um, she has some uh, uh, unexpected work being done at her home. So right now, all we would be hearing would be uh, chainsaws and hammers. And that's not what people want to listen to on the buzz. No, no. They want to hear your voice. It's majestic, Jack. I just want to, I think that's the word that's coming to mind. Majestic. Uh, thanks, Tim. You're welcome. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for scripting me. That was really nice. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So listen, we have a great episode today because we really are excited to be talking about this kind of pivot, right? We've been doing a lot of uh, reacting these past um, five, six months to what we've been facing out in the world. So um, with that, I think has come some really good stuff, uh, some of which we're going to carry over as we do a lot of this strategic planning now for 2021 uh, no matter what it might look like. Um, so that kind of tees up our, our first question, which really will be to all of our guests today. And that really is, what does this fall look like on your campus? So from, from classrooms, are they online, hybrid, in-person, uh, to residence hall li life, are our, our dorms reopen, athletics? So just paint a picture of what, what fall will look like on your campus. Sure, I can, I can go first. Um, so uh, the short answer is gonna be different, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be, um, for, for the University of Texas at Austin, um, right now, a lot of our, uh, or most of our students are gonna be hybrid. Um, you know, I've talked with quite a few students and they're, they're, some of them are excited to come back, some of them are still a little bit iffy on, you know, what they're gonna do um, and things like that. But it's definitely gonna be a different fall semester for sure. Um, as you can probably guess, um, with with University of Texas specifically, football is a pretty big deal. That's also gonna be different. Um, right now, our, our, our stadium is gonna be roughly 25% capacity, um, which is a, a big difference. And, and to be honest, also a huge um, uh, you know downside on revenue. Um, that's a huge revenue source for the university and to have 25% capacity is, is a huge hit for our athletic department. And, and as most people know, um, the football uh, the football program um, and, the, and the revenue from that supports a lot of the other sports. And so it's not just football that's impacted, it's the entire athletic department. So, um, and, and specifically with the School of Engineering, I mean, there's a lot of courses that can be taught online, but for example, labs, you know, those are, those are, those are courses that are very difficult to, to teach in an online setting. And so, um, and so, it, it, yeah, it's going to be a difficult fall semester. It's going to be, it's going to be, um, I definitely feel like we're more prepared going into the fall than we did than we were in the spring when things were just pulled and we had to get everything online in about two weeks, it felt like. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be a very different fall semester for sure. I think we're all in the same boat. Julie, what's it looking like at Damon? 
So different, I agree. <laughs> um, at Damon, we are going to be in person, but we have de-densified pretty significantly, both in our dorms and our classrooms. So we've really spread people out. Um, we are testing everybody when they come back. So we um, one of the things that's really different, I love the start of the school year, you know, when the students are moving in and all of that piece of it. And it feels like from the admission side, like, you know, the big handoff, right? And I, I always participate in move in because it just makes me feel good to see them all arrive. Um, move in for us is very different. Um, it's gonna be over a period of three, four weeks and, you know, different people on different days. We basically um, divided the students up depending on where they're coming from. And some of them, because we're in New York, have to quarantine for two weeks depending on where they're coming from. So, um, you know, that's different and it's a big challenge, but um, we've really been turning out in a socially distanced, safe way, um, staff to welcome students and try to make them feel like, even though it's a really different and can maybe almost feel like a stilted, like coming in and not being able to, you know, hug your friends and hang out, um, that it still feels like a warm and inviting place. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we've been working on. That and cleaning, a lot of cleaning. <laughs> uh, Tim, how are things at SNHU? And I guess while you're answering, can you talk a little bit about uh, your role at SNHU and specifically the fact that um, it might be a little bit different than what people think of when they think of SNHU? So I am the, the AVP of first year admission for campus. Yes, Southern New Hampshire University does have a campus. Uh, it is located in Southern New Hampshire. Uh, Manchester, to be precise, uh, but my staff and, my, and myself, we work with your traditional first-year campus-bound college students for um, our main campus is roughly 3,000, so a small private setting. We made the announcement early. I want to say it was May. We were one of the first area colleges to state that we would remain remote at least through this coming fall semester entirely. Obviously, we're pretty comfortable with online learning, and we... <laughs> we really wanted to give our campus faculty, they will be teaching these courses for our, our returning students. So we wanted to give them as much time as possible to plan. And, you know, similar to what Chandler said, it, this is not this sort of rapid four-day flip into an online modality. Let's mm -hmm. give you months of planning and time to ensure that you can deliver an academic experience that, that meets those outcomes, that pull students together as effectively as possible. Um, another you know, we, we're hoping to be on campus in the spring. However, our first year students, and this kind of ties into, I think something I'll talk about a little bit later on in the podcast, uh, they were informed in April that they would be remote for the entire academic year for at least their courses. So all of their courses are online for their first year. If we open campus in the spring, I hope we do, We they would be allowed to move back and take part in campus events and, and recreation stuff and sports and all that, all that fun, you know, place-based, uh, opportunities of that kind, but at least for now, we're staying remote through January. Tim, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the insight there, and I think it's it's interesting to see uh, sort of the different approaches, right? Knowing Tim, your your uh, students knew very early on uh, that they could expect yeah. a remote environment, and uh, it sounds like uh, every institution is uh, taking their own avenue down that uh, down that decision making path. So. Thank you guys for sharing what that looks like on path. You know, Chandler, I'm going to pick up on uh, on what you said. Uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, we're, we're a little bit more prepared than we were this first time uh, when we were forced to go online. And so, as uh, as, as hindsight is often 2020, um, think back to uh, when this uh, when COVID-19 came in, and um, you know, did you expect this to be around this long? Um, and with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, um, are there any strategies that uh, that you wish you may have uh, implemented uh, when uh, earlier on? Sure. Yeah, no, I think thanks for that question, Kevin. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to be completely honest, um, uh, did I think it was going to be this long? Ab absolutely not. I mean, I, I think being in fundraising, as you know, uh, you're, you're always the eternal optimist. And so I think a lot of people were hoping this is going to be done in you know two months uh, three months if you know worst case scenario here we are six months later and uh you know we're still kind of in the same the same spot so um so yeah i was not not expecting it to be to be going on this long uh, this long but you know uh, definitely come to terms that this is a, a new normal and, and we've had to change things um 
quite a bit in how we we do um, how how we do our work. So. Um, and so, and we had some specific challenges too at UT um, that, that I'll talk about. You know, for example, I know we have some people that are from New York. So, as, as people remember, this thing kind of really hit mid mid March. Mm-hmm. So, for UT, we actually um, the first week in March we had this major major alumni event, uh, two hundred plus people. Guess where it was? New York City. <laughs> oh wow! Right, right. So we had this event. Um, it was a great event. Uh, you know, of course, everything went on lockdown the next week. Right after that, our provost announced that uh, she had taken a new position at a different university. Uh, we kind of expected that. So, okay. Um, shortly after that, uh, we got an email saying our president's, our president's wife had gotten COVID. Uh, it may or may not have happened at that New York event. We're not sure. And then shortly after that, our president announced that he will be leaving and he accepted a position at another university. So not only were we dealing with a pandemic, we were dealing with some major leadership change. And as you know, in the world of fundraising, that can really um, shatter, I wouldn't say shatter relationships, but can really shake up relationships. And you just kind of have to rebuild some trust and, and kind of make just just explain to people that the ship is on the right path. We just have a new captain. Right. So. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very challenging year for sure, um, but there's been some real opportunities here um, for sure. And so we've had to implement strategies. You know, again, we've all, I guess, come, uh, become accustomed to Zoom um, to, to explain my role and, and Texas in general. Um, Texas does things a little different. And so I, I focus on the East Coast. Um, but for Texas, we define that as Houston and everything east of Houston. <laughs> so it's a big part of it. It's basically that, that half of the country. I think and that's so, how the rest of the world classifies it as well. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, um, so yeah, so um, so obviously with that, my my job is a very a, very much a road warrior on the road, and so we were we were not allowed to do that at all. Um, and even going simply just to Houston, which is only three hours away from Austin, um, we could not do. And so, um, so yeah, we had to implement Zoom very quickly. We had to. There was probably about a month where we just had to figure out. We kind of you know, kind of froze in place and just kind of had, had to figure out what was going on. But then after that, we didn't want to, we, you know, we didn't want to lose the momentum we've had for the year. And so we, we just kind of jumped into it, started scheduling Zoom calls, um, really just reassures, um, reassures, reassuring our alumni and our donors that um, we're in a good spot. It is different times. It is challenging times. Um, but not to say that their, that their love for the university um is is uh not you know still needed and their commitment to the university is not still very much appreciated so um so yeah chandler uh, i think it's funny that you mentioned that being in development you're the eternal optimist because i believe if you really were to take a pulse on who that is in the typical buzz crew kevin wins that award all day long he's yeah, like absolutely unbelievably optimistic i don't yes. know how he, i don't know how he does it i mean yeah absolutely no, i know i know that very well <laughs> yeah so that's so uh, that's so nice of you jamie thank you so much yeah, i mean you're welcome it's very it's very good of you to carry that burden as well um so tim it sounds like uh, at southern new hampshire um you guys were out of the gate early and i remember when you uh, actually sent us that announcement that you that you all had made that decision and you'd made some other uh, decisions relative to your fall 20 group, but what are some of the other things that kind of were happening? And I'm, I'm really thinking, you know, like this is the funny part about the pandemic is, um, here we are in August. It feels like it's just been kind of happening and it has, it's like, but it's like, we're getting used to the war. We're getting used to the water now. Right. Thinking back on early April, late March, what were, you know, what were some of the things that you did Early on, what did you try? How did those tries change, evolve, fail? Like, sure. and, and I'm thinking too, uh, just to expand, like not just even for fall 20, but like even for your um, for your underclassmen that you were trying to court, or maybe your current students. Like, what were some of the things that that the university went through? Yeah, I mean, so what do we do out of the gate? Um, I mean, we panicked, Jamie. You know, I think. Um, <laughs> Quite a few tears. Initial panic. Yeah. Uh, I think Chandler said, like, we went from business as usual, things are looking a little weird, to you got to cancel all your events, to you are working remotely from home indefinitely in four days. Yeah. 
So that was so radically disruptive to our business. It it was hard. it was hard. it was challenging. I think for everyone, sure, uh, nationwide, not just in enrollment management for that matter. Yeah. As we sort of that sort of settled in, the reality hit. It was like, oh, we are campus reliant when it comes to campus recruitment. Like, sure, our campus is gorgeous. It's been invested in. It's state of the art. It's you know. It is a major selling point for us. It is our primary recruitment tool, and now we don't have it. It's a and we are we are reliant on these sort of complementary pieces that we don't really use that well hmm. to recruit this class. And so, for I'll give an example, we have a, a pretty high quality branded uh, campus tour through a vendor that most people are familiar with. You could probably name it if you thought of it. It hadn't been updated in three years, which is a huge length of time. But for us, that meant didn't have our two newest resident halls on it. Sure. Doesn't show our visitor center. Doesn't show the state-of-the-art STEM building that opened in January, which kind of sad story opened in January. I saw students for like a month and a half. Mm. So mm. we ended up shooting, and this worked pretty well, uh, this raw, candid campus tour. It was two days before campus closed with one of our best guys. We shot it on a cell phone. And that ended up getting more traffic in three months than our regular campus tour would get in a year. Wow. And we saw, uh, got a lot of good feedback that, you know, yeah, it was a little unpolished. I mean, we, we obviously had some editing and some, some marketing, put some touches on it, but by and large, I think our audience appreciated what we were trying to give them. And we were, we were doing so in a transparent, authentic sure. nature. Other things that we've done, I, probably everyone website has gotten overhauled. I think COVID-19 response measures front and center Mm-hmm. For us, especially because of the degree of transformation that we have been through or, or are undergoing, we are making every attempt to ensure that when students land on our website or prospective parent, whoever it may be, they're able to get at that information quickly. I think, you know, we had plans, and this might be something that, that Julie or Chandler would be better equipped to talk to. You know, we, we were thinking about how do we do a live student panel with, with student guides who are now remote? How do we do some sort of like complimentary virtual academic class session that we normally would have done at Acceptance Students Day? However, when the greater SNHU announcement dropped regarding the state of our campus and, and the degree of transformation it would be undergoing, it kind of threw us into this pause mode where we no longer execute those strategies. And it also completely changed the shape of our class and the demand for what we were offering. So we haven't been able to execute some of those measures. Don't know if you want me to go down that road just now or maybe put, put the pause on that for a minute. Um, yeah, you know, hold on to that right now because yeah. I think there's a, we can talk about, you know, further innovations later on yeah, as, we, as we continue to kind of morph through the, from the past through the current to the future. Yeah, I think that that's a, uh, a good place to, to pick up with this question for you, Julie, which really has to do with, uh, technology. I mean, it's no secret that you are a uh, a capture partner. Damon College is a capture partner, so uh, you have and use some of our um, ed tech tools. Uh, but I do want to just ask, in general, kind of what technology did you have at your disposal at the time when you were beginning to respond and react to this? Uh, did you need to kind of do a complete assessment of that? Did you have enough? Did you have the right tools? Did you need to add? And if so, what did you add and why? It's a great question. So I think of it, technology, I mean, it was it was a big, big shift for us, just like Tim said. Um, but to me, I think of it in kind of two categories. So we had this technology shift that we had to do for our own staff and our own enrollment management team, right? We're, we were used to, you know, all being together and face-to-face and um, generally being enrollment, you know, you're just people, people, right? You, that's, that's how you relate. Um, and all of a sudden our team of 20 was completely pushed online, you know, every everybody from our processing team, you know, through our graduate admissions counselors, our transfer counselors and our first year counselors. So um, I think one of the very first things we did was we all got Zoom and Zoom Pro, so that was good. But actually, I think more important than that is we had a really productive conversation about expectations for virtual work environments Mm. and what that looks like. And that it's okay if your kid climbs up in your lap while we're having a meeting because life happens, right? And, you know, you don't want some, you know, a parent to feel anxious about that because, 
you know, they're trying to lock themselves in a closet somewhere and, you know, be away from the kids and the noise. And I know even in my own house, we had a sudden transition of five people trying to work from home. You know, it, it was a little crazy between that and the dog. So um, we really tried to talk about, you know, just managing expectations, um, being casual in your clothing. That's okay. You know, where it might not be as okay in the office, you know, right? Um, being flexible in your work hours, Zoom and being, you know, working from home allows you to do that. So it, it was good for, you know, I encouraged my staff to really go out, take a walk during the day, you know, get some fresh air, clear your head. We're all in quarantine. You need that. I don't need you sitting at a computer screen from 830 to 430. I need you to continue to connect to students. Sure. And that isn't necessarily in this box of hours, right? So Zoom really helped us with that. But I think setting those expectations and having just really honest conversations about it, right? Um, you know, so that really helped. The other part of technology was our student contact and how we relate to students and how we share information. And just like Tim, you know, we were highly, highly dependent on students coming to campus, events, yeah. meeting us, tours. And we had to do a, a crazy shift in a very short period of time because it hit for us, like I'm sure most people, right before our accepted students days, right? Mm -hmm. And all of the things that we normally do in the spring. So um, we actually, for, for a small college in Buffalo, are really blessed to have a great IT team. Um, and so they were able to put together and use technology, not just Zoom, but Zoom, YouTube, and like some live chat. I, sure. I wouldn't be able to get into the technical details, but basically to create an event where someone could log in, like it was like a website, and there would be um, a live portion of somebody speaking, but there's there was also content. So if somebody wanted to go watch a video or read something about a program or go into a different room and chat with a counselor, they could do that. Mm. Um, and that I think was really key because one of the things that we have found is that um, well, all students, but I would say particularly first year students, do not want to sit looking at a screen, having someone talk to them for an hour or two. Yeah. So they have short attention spans. So I think having some virtual events where you have other modes of content available during the event was helpful, um, really, really helpful. Julie, I love everything that you talked about there. And, and especially, you know, I think one of the great things that will come out of this virtual environment that we've all sort of been uh, thrust into is, I like to phrase it that we're all real people. Uh, and so when uh, when people apologize for a, a kid screaming or a garage door opening or whatever it might be, that background, I always just like to I, I literally smile to myself and think, you know what, I'm a real person, too. Um, and, you know, the, my, my wife might come into the picture or, you know, a kid might come in, that sort of thing. Um, and so I love that you embrace that so early on. Yeah. And I think just if I could add, you know, it also helped us to see each other as real people more. Right. You know, you see your kind of work persona, right, when you come in and, you know, you may talk about your home or your family or vacations or whatever, but actually like seeing people like where they live and what's behind their shoulder and, sure. you know, their kids running crazy with yogurt all over their shirt, you know, it's all, like, it made <laughs> us all feel like more normal yeah. and more connected. And um, I think that was a really, I, I don't know, it was a really good team building thing for us to see. Mm -hmm you know, where we all lived and what we were all dealing with. And it was good. Yeah. You know, it's funny because this reminds me of uh, the podcast about three months ago when we were talking about remote work. And I went on a rant about, look, folks, at least wash your hair. And yesterday when I was meeting with Julie to kind of do some prep for today's episode, uh, I was wearing my Phillies hat. Why? Because I had not washed my hair. So it's amazing. Hair, Wash your hair. I'm pretty sure that was a direct <laughs> quote from that episode. That Very is voice. That is correct, Jamie. <laughs> Jack, is that why we're doing our first ever uh, video podcast? Is that yeah. why? Look, I washed the hair this morning. Yeah. I mean, it forces us to actually wear clothing that is like presentable. <laughs> like we're, it's almost like we're at an on-campus meeting right now. That's really what I feel like. So thank you. Thank you. Know, thank you. We put product in, so. Absolutely. Well, and you know, Julie, speaking of, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about technology and how you guys implemented what you guys did too. I, I can speak to that a little bit as well. 
where, um, you know, again, just like everyone, we had to jump fully jump online practically overnight. And again, kind of, you know, in your role, uh, our, our, my job specifically is a very in-person, very in-person job. You know, there's a, there's always the emails and the phone calls, but those are very, you know, um, you know, I only have a very limited success rate in terms of getting, getting ultimate goal. And so one thing that we, we implemented is we had a, a vendor work with us um, with uh, video technology that basically made it super easy to send video messages to a wide group of people or whatever group of people you wanted to. Um, and, bef- and, you know, as you guys know, if it was a video before, if you wanted to get a video of like, say, our dean or something, it was a very, you know, a lot of production value. You had a camera crew come in. It was, you know, kind of a lot of moving pieces. This made it very easy to where we could reach out. Um, I could reach out to my people and s- deliver a message, you know, within 10 minutes, you know, and, and, and have it not be a big deal. Yeah. And so I looked at that as like kind of a, a kind of a weird in between touch point of like not a full Zoom meeting, but but also like a phone call somewhere fell in between a phone call and a Zoom meeting. So it was it was it gave me the ability to get a message across to, you know, 100 of my closest donors um, without without having to send 100 emails, set up 100 Zooms, you know, have 100 conversations. And uh, and then I got I got a lot of re- really good response from that. So so that was something technology wise that really helped us out during during this time. And I'm going to continue to use it. I mean, once pandemic is over, that's not going to go away. We we're talking a lot about that, about seeing how remote work has really worked for a lot of our areas of our business and, and making that a more permanent option for staff that prefer it. <clears throat> You know, Tim, while, uh, while you've got the mic here, let me ask you, you mentioned previously that uh, Campus really uh, is the, the primary recruitment tool. Yep. Um, and with, uh, with that going away as a recruitment tool, you probably had to take some pretty drastic action. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind as one of the more extreme actions that the, the team had to take? We love extreme over at SNHU, Kevin. It's like our favorite thing. So I, I think a precursor here is to say it was in our strategic plan as an institution to reimagine more affordable, more accessible campus-based education options by the fall of 2023. Put that in a very small nutshell, kind of three components. We want to deliver more affordable, sustainable academic programming that leaves students with far less debt. Right now, we're talking about an aspirational annual tuition cost for our campus experience of less than $10,000 annually. Hmm. Aspirational still in the works, but that's kind of just to give you a price point. We want to improve and enable operability across our systems and our entire institution. We we don't operate in full silos, but we're nowhere near as interoperable, as cohesive as we could be given the size of our institution. So we got to remove those barriers. Um, and we want to stop preventing students from really leveraging every modality that exists within the SNU ecosphere. And we want to leverage the physical campus more effectively as an asset to expand the reach to more students. So those are the three kind of elements of this transformation. I've mentioned April like a couple times. So in April, middle of April, I'm like literally scrambling like Julie's talking about to put together some sort of virtual ASD supplement. And the president announced that he and the board had met and they'd voted to accelerate this reimagining work for our campus not to occur between now and 2020 2023 but to occur within the next three months wow so the immediate impact for my shop so we had our first year students we had around 400 deposited first year students for campus at the time the immediate impact was none of them no first year students would be allowed to enroll in an existing campus academic program all those programs were going to begin a teach out process instead they were offered the opportunity to enroll at SNHU with their first year of study being fully scholarshiped. So they're going to pay $0 in tuition. They were told about the greater transformation effort, the, you know, the goal to realize a new suite of academic programs by 2021. And, you know, that additional clarity as to what that looked like would become available over the course of the next year. They were told you're going to take only gen ed online courses for your first year but you can move on campus in the spring, provided we open and participate in those on-campus activities, like I mentioned earlier. And ultimately, we were pretty transparent. We, this is a gamble, right? This is, you are taking a risk, a bet on SNHU and our ability to deliver you know, this, this transformation that we're talking about. And so in kind of return for taking that risk, we are gonna offer you a full year of college credit, at no cost. And if you come out, or excuse me, if we come out with you know, something, an experience that is, doesn't meet your needs, not what you want, you can walk away having spent effectively nothing on tuition mm-hmm. after a year. Impact-wise, 
That announcement dropped. We went from 400 deposits to 900 in four days. Wow. Our average first year class, which is around 750 students on a given year, is currently at, I think, 1,150 right now. Like a 40% uptick. Yeah, it was pretty dramatic, (laughs) to say the least. So that has been kind of, I mean, that... There are other elements of our campus that are obviously transforming. Our current students are coming back into their existing academic programs. You know, yes, their their semester is online, but for them, this is uh, minimal disruption, this announcement, I should say. Although we have also shared with them, listen, by the time we get to 2021, if you're a sophomore and you look at, hey, this is a new experience that you can have for under 10,000 annually, and it looks like this. If you want it, you can opt into it. So... It, it's going to be interesting. A lot of that work has happened. It's been a very busy two or three months for us. <laughs> to say the least. I think, I think that to, to ask anyone yeah. else in the entire country, what is the most extreme thing that you I don't think yeah. anyone would have a better answer than what you just said. That was, <laughs> that is an unbelievable like roll of the dice in a, in a and it's, it's, fascinating i remember again like when you sent that email to us saying that you were doing that i i immediately sent it to jack and we're and i think we sent it to ann and it was just like oh my word here comes the game changer like out of the gate and it was you know phenomenal like crazy town well it was one of those things where uh you know, it's probably funny, Jamie. We probably got that email and maybe weren't even supposed to be talking about it yet. And we, we were immediately getting on the phone and being like, Jamie, did you see what's <laughs> happening? But uh, the, one of the things, and I'll, I'll ask this as a, a quick follow-up, Tim, is that yeah. um, I, I, I'm impressed to see that this was part of the strategic plan all along. Uh, because one of the things that Jamie and I, I remember us talking about this was, wow, did SNHU need this to happen mm-hmm. in order to make this pivot? Like I was trying to imagine SNHU making this pivot in the world where COVID had not existed and we were still operating like we had been back in the beginning of March. Yeah. And I was thinking, what would, it, what would the response have been? Would this have been uh, certain, not as well received as, as, it, as it has been? Sure. Do you have thoughts on that, Tim? That's a good question, Jack. I, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I grapple with it sometimes because part of me thinks that a longer timeline really does support this work in a different way. And part of me feels that having to do so so radically in such an already disrupted environment is mm-hmm. actually very beneficial yeah. for the nature of this work. Like, I don't think, let me, let me rephrase, I don't think we would transform as much or to the degree that I think we are going to for our campus environment specifically, if this was done in kind of this stretched out 2023, yeah. 2024, like we would have hit, you know, periods of delay and lag. And, and we are still going through some really painful processes, especially with respect to our systems. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, when it's encompassed by this, the state of this pandemic and the pressures it has put on this industry, I don't know that, you know, the, like I said, I don't know the degree of change would have been quite as extreme. Yeah. It's still, and I don't, and I mean to be very clear, like I am, this is my perception of what's going on at this institution. There's a lot of work. We are in a, a phase right now where there's still very little that's been decided, at least as, as far as I know, in terms of our future state of operations. So, mm-hmm. you know, lots of man out, lots of, lots of work hours, lots of proposals, lots of discussions, lots of media. It's been, it's been aggressive but kind of bundled up within the nature of the pandemic. Yeah. That's really that sort of catalyst, that engine that has, that has driven us forward. Yeah. Tim, it sounds like the next normal for SNHU is a 40% increase in enrollment every year. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how we're going to do that. We'll figure it Congratulations. Out. We'll uh, we'll look forward to having you back next year to report on your how you're doing it again next year. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, as we look forward to next year, Chandler, let me put you on the spot. You know, you mentioned that you've got some technology that you're carrying through from uh, 2020 to 2021. Um, how different uh, will your 2021 plan be to your initial 2020 plan? Do you do you see some uh, some changes? Uh, in your 2021 plan compared to your 2020 plan? 
Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said, I think the theme, the theme of this podcast is, it's, is different, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, usually around this time, you know, or this time last year, I was really planning out my travel for the fall semester. Where am I going to go? What cities am I, do I need, who do I need to go see? What cities are they in? What part of the country do I need to be in at what time? And, you know, that's not, that's not the case th this, this year. And so, um, so it's, 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 uh, challenging, but, you know, it's presented a lot of opportunities too. So, um, you know, for example, um, now that we have this, you know, kind of, I think like we talked about, a lot of us are, are in this boat until at least December or January, if not maybe longer. So we know like the fall semester is going to be this way. Um, and so, so one thing, you know, if I, if I need to go take a, um, a chair of a department or a, or a, one of our outstanding faculty members to go visit a donor, it doesn't need to be a whole day, two day travel thing that takes them away from their office. We can hop on a, phone, a Zoom call and do a 30 minutes or an hour Zoom call pretty easily. And we can connect that faculty member with, and we've done this, you know, um, sure. with that donor a, a lot easier, not, not having to worry about that kind of those logistical issues that, you know, hey, what, what time can you go? Hopefully it works for the donor. If it doesn't, we got to start over, you know, all those kind of just the things you have to deal with. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's presented um, opportunities that we didn't really think about or really weren't, you know, Zoom again six months ago or seven months ago wasn't kind of the norm. And so, uh, but now it is. And so now we're fully taking advantage of that. And so we can get a dean in front of a donor a lot easier. Uh, and again, if you know, uh, getting on the schedule for a dean is can be very challenging, especially if it takes a, a day or two uh, to get them to to a city they, they, where they need to see one of their major donors. So, so to be able to have that flexibility to hop on a Zoom call is, is, is great. Um, something else that we've, we, that we've done uh, this past year, and actually I'm, I'm working on it right now, is um, so as a lot of schools do, we have these large scholarship uh, endowment dinners where we invite all the donors, we invite all the, all the students. It's a great event, um, a great opportunity for the donors and the students to meet each other and, and, and uh, have, that, have that interaction. Of course, this year, a, a big event like that is not going to happen. Um, but of course, we didn't want that opportunity to be, to be lost, um, you know, for for not only the students, but of course, for our donors, too. And so we've been working on um, and again, there's a lot of moving pieces to this. There's a lot of scheduling. But in my mind, it's 100 percent worth it is setting up Zoom meetings between the scholarship recipients and their donors. The scholarship recipients actually don't even know that they're getting the scholarship and the donor is announcing it on the Zoom call that they are they're getting their scholarship. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And so we've had some really good ones. We have some, we, you know, they're, they're really kind of fun, actually. Some students are like kind of deers in headlights. They don't know what to say. Other ones get really emotional. We've had donors kind of get a little teary eyed on the phone call and the Zoom calls. And it's been it's been awesome. And so so it, it, it made us also question, you know, we had our event, but it made us question, why weren't we doing this before? We have a lot of donors that live on in Atlanta and in Florida. It's not super easy for them to get to, to Austin to be at that scholarship dinner. Hmm. Um, and so, especially for our donors that aren't in our backyard, um, why weren't we doing this before? Uh, you know, it's one of those questions we really brought to light, you know, for our donors that, that aren't, that can't get to us super easy. We should be, we should have been doing this all along. And I think we were, you know, one, doing it one-offs and if the donor requested it, or if we really wanted to further that relationship, but, but now we're just making it standard, uh, standard practice, uh, to reach out and make these meetings happen. And so it's been awesome. It's been, uh, it's been really well received on all ends. So. That's amazing. I, I love that comment of why weren't we doing this all along? I think yeah. that a lot of people have found, found themselves in that situation, uh, doing things and then seeing the impact of them and thinking, you know, why weren't we? Why weren't we doing yeah. this? Like, why were we not allowing ourselves to think that this is something that we could have done and been successful yeah. with? Um, Julie, I guess I'm going to kind of pivot that question to you um, as you move toward uh, 2021. Um, and begin to think about what that strategic enrollment plan will look like. What uh, innovations happened for you across 2020 uh, that you will carry forward into 2021? So, you know, I think a lot of times we keep referencing going back to normal or, you know, whatever. I, I don't honestly think, I think we've all shifted. Like, I, I think there's the new normal and, um, we've discovered, just like Chandler said, like, why weren't we using this before? Why don't we continue using this? That went really well. Like, let's do that again, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, 
you know, things like having our counselors use multiple tools, multiple ways to connect with students, not just coming in and having them sit down face to face with us. That's going to be a great option. And when, you know, and as we can do that and do that more and have, um, you know, more people on campus, that's wonderful. But, you know, we found that students love to connect by text or, you know, a Zoom call or, you know, whatever it might be. And it just gives us um, multiple tools in our toolbox. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's really any tool that we've tried that we thought, oh, yeah, we don't ever want to use that again. I really think we're more shifted to now we're going to offer multiple modalities. So, you know, we were even talking about our events going forward. And someday, you know, um, if we can have um, on campus like open houses, right, if that if that's going to work, that we would still continue to offer a virtual option, mm -hmm. not just because some people might not feel comfortable, but because it's hard for families to travel. It's expensive to do those college tours yeah. and to go. And, you know, for us, it helps us to expand our reach, right? And makes things more accessible for a family that can't necessarily drive, you know, to Buffalo and afford a hotel and all of those kinds of things, but can still interact with us and feel part of our community. So I think we definitely will, will continue to carry those things over. The other thing is that, um, I think the importance, you know, Kevin mentioned this about the importance of your website and um, the tracking that we do with Capture and the, the tools that we use. Those became even more important tools for us. And um, we've used, learned to use them as part of our daily, yeah. how we're looking at our pool, how we're interacting with students. I mean, just this morning, I was on a call with my graduate counselors and we had the dashboard up and we were just talking about, well, who should we reach out to and how should we you know, prioritize this? And you know, what are we looking at right now to continue to push for fall? Because we're still pushing for fall at Damon College. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I really think um, as hard as, some of the shifts have been because of the time frame that things had to happen in. I think they're going to be things that are going to stay with us because they've worked really well and they made us change our mindset really. Yeah. Um, I actually am. Uh, I love thinking through like these innovations of necessity. I think Jack, your question to Tim about, you know, was the pandemic a requirement? for moving, you know, pivoting higher ed into this kind of different paradigm or a different way of thinking. Um, and, and we all know, right, like, you know, higher ed has traditionally been uh, maybe a couple of clicks behind when it comes to tools and technology behind like retail, behind like, you know, other kind of big Intel things. Um, I'm just curious, uh, one of the things I've been thinking through, and I'm going to kind of put a, put a big, broad question out to everyone here, but, um, you know, there's this old, the old adage of we don't know what we don't know, right? We don't know what we're missing out on. And I think the pandemic has been a big light bulb in terms of helping us to understand what were we missing out on before. But uh, the, the question, uh, and you want to maybe, uh, Tim, if you want to start us out on this one, but the question that I am asking here is like, what is the, what are the, what are the tools that you're, uh, you kind of hoping you'll see develop in the future. Uh, and, and really the, the root of the question for me becomes, what are the problems that you're trying to solve right now that there is no tool to solve them? Or in your, you know, cause we're all you know creative people. Like what are the things that we wanna see in the next, you know, 18 months be developed to solve X problem? I kind of have like, all right, I wanna stay in the meta with you, Jamie, but I have like two responses to your question. I think the first piece, and this ties into what like Julian Chandler have both said about, you know, kind of, we went through this period where you know, deadlines got moved and schools went test optional and historically inflexible, rigid policies and practices suddenly became agile. Mm -hmm. And for me, as we look at the state of higher ed, that has to continue. Yeah. I'm a bit biased towards change. I work at Southern New Hampshire, like that. Okay. Yeah. But even so, like this, that feels like a necessity for this industry to sure. move forward, you know, with the aim of student support and access, especially knowing that this year's high school senior group 
probably is more disrupted in so many other ways than last yeah. year's. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine being a 17 year old kid right now. We're just trying to like even kindergarten plans are insane here. I mean, oh. there's 15 <laughs> different kindergarten plans that we're looking at for my daughter. I can't imagine being a 17 year old about to go into my senior year of high yeah. school, trying to navigate the college search process yeah. and the level of complexity it had pre pandemic. Yeah. So this has to be the time to ask. And I obviously the degree of transformation for our, for my institution is way over here. But even so, if you've always done it this way, why? What are the other things that we're not thinking about in terms of changing and altering and sure. being more student focused and, you know, just allowing ourselves to better serve our students, which I think is just about everybody's end goal. So yeah. uh, that's kind of my, you know, kind of broadband response there. Let me, let me take a pause for a second. I don't, I don't want to dominate. <laughs> well, Tim, I, I would just completely agree. And I think it's even more impactful for the small privates mm -hmm. in the U.S., yes, right? So you're obviously at a very innovative institution, right? And, and change is kind of your middle name, right? But there's small privates all across the country that, you know, change is not been a popular word, right? And as you said, you know, like things that were just, this is how we've always done it and this is how we do it. And even though we've all been watching the landscape shift for small privates, it hasn't, there ha There wasn't like the wake up call, right? Like it was like, we, we see it happening. Yeah, we see it happening. We see enrollment decline. We see this, we see this. But this really was the disruption I think that we needed. Now, does that mean every single small private is going to respond and thrive? I don't think so, unfortunately. And, and that makes me sad to say that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there's gonna be a tremendous amount of impact in that, um, that tier, right? Um, not, not that other schools and other, you know, types of um, colleges and universities aren't also being innovative, but that tier, which has struggled for many years, um, really is shifting a mindset, um, shifting a mindset of how, you know, business as usual, how uh, we relate to students, um, like you said, you know, going test optional, um, all kinds of things, you know, so I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see and to see the impact on what that does to small private college enrollment. Yeah. Julie, I was gonna almost say the exact same thing. I think I think like you said, some some institutions embrace change a little bit better, but and, and maybe I'm alone on this, but I think education, maybe not even just higher education, but education in general is is kind of resistant to change. And like you said, there's always kind of that that thought process of oh, this is always this is how we've always done it. And so um, I think you're 100% right. I think I think higher education, in some ways, needed this shakeup mm -hmm. to get us to, to to move a little bit quicker and and find different, better ways to do things in 2020. You know, um, and I think 2020 is going to be looked back at a at a, a pivotal moment. You know, mm -hmm. for a lot of industries, but definitely for higher education. So, I also think um, what we have typically assumed or made assumptions about for student behavior is gonna change because I think their experience is just so different now, right? So what students thought of as, whatever they thought of, like like for every student it's different, but what, whatever they saw in their future, what college meant to them is shifting, right? So, so a student that may have thought like, I could never learn online is now experiencing online learning in their high school, right? And maybe hopefully they're being successful at that. And they might be more comfortable at looking at online programs at the undergraduate level, which has traditionally um, not had the same growth market in online as graduate, right? So graduate programs kind of had led the way with online first and then undergraduates started to adopt that. So I think the, the 17 and 18 year old we see coming in, we, we can't make those same assumptions. Their, their whole view of the college experience, what is value, what do I wanna get out of it, is really gonna shift. And we're gonna to have to kind of rethink a lot of our assumptions. Julie, I think that ties in really nicely. It's, it's one of the things that I was kind of thinking about with Jamie's question, or like what, what tools or products are missing? It's that. It's, we don't yet have a tool or product that sort of reflects this change in our you know, kind of core market, if you want to call it that, or that is really capturing how this pandemic has changed and shifted 
the audience for higher ed. And, I'm, and I think that stretches across, you know, the permanence of online study. How has it shifted the desire for select academic programs? Um, how has it changed the appetite for a traditional campus place-based environment? And then, of course, the sort of the, the major one, the, the, the elephant, financial and this, you know, affordability. I mean, mm -hmm. one in six Americans have lost their job in the past six months, is it? Is the unemployment's yep. north of 30 million Americans right now. What are the longstanding impacts of this this Great Depression that I think we're about to head into? I guess some would say we're already in it, um, especially for those students who are underserved and underprivileged. I mean, there's so many massive, difficult to grapple with questions that I don't know anyone really has their arms around them yet. So just we need one of those tools. We'll have the uh, product team get to work on that. Appreciate Tim. that. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Get the genie in the bottle again. Uh, listen, I, I want to thank uh, I want to thank you all. I mean, we obviously could continue this conversation, I think, for um, at least another hour, um, and maybe we will at some point uh, do that and have everyone back and and keep the conversation going. Maybe uh, six months from now, just to get a pulse on how things have evolved and how things have changed and. Uh, what really nice adaptations and innovations have transpired on your campuses, um, be they uh, on the ground in real life or online. So uh, Tim, Chandler, Julie, thank you so much for being on the buzz. Thank you. It's been great. And Jack, yeah, thanks so much for being a, uh, a fill-in host for Amanda. We missed her, but Jack, you, uh, you killed it. Just so good, Jack. <laughs> on that note, He's a very versatile person, everyone. <clears throat> On that note, Brandon, our producer, you may take us out of here. See you next episode, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our latest episode of The Buzz, Capture's podcast for higher ed. If you enjoy the show, please make sure and leave us a five-star review and share with your friends. Tweet to us at Capture Higher Ed with your comments or suggestions. And until next time, Cheers.